You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello, welcome back. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. Uh, This is episode 85. I'm recording this episode today. This is December 30th, 2021. Um, And I planned on taking a a break um, after the last episode until next year, but um, there's a lot on my mind and talking to a lot of people. Um, I just finished up my last day of scheduled work for the year um, at the hospital and I'm taking a little um, well-deserved time off. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, I really feel like I need it. And the scary thing is that, you know, the world that I think we all thought was getting back to normal not too long ago um, has made an about face. And, And it's really scary. And this is sort of my call to arms of just letting people know um, that, you know, healthcare, just in general, healthcare um, is going to be a big problem for people in the future. And I'm not sure that, that people realize or recognize this. You're starting to hear this a little bit from people in the healthcare field. Um, but I think a lot of things that have been said in the healthcare field, and we're just talking about the actual people like the doctors and nurses and techs um, on the front line that have really just gone um, unlistened to. So, I mean, the scary statistics now, and I just looked at this um, just this morning. So total COVID cases in the world um, is just over 286 million. Um, and in the U.S. alone, there's over 55 million cases of COVID. Uh, these are documented. The scary statistics is deaths. You know, we've lost almost five and a half million. So 5,444,951 people died from this virus based on the numbers this morning. And in the U.S., you know, as everyone knows, we, we reached over that 800,000 mark not too long ago. So the statistics today were showing 845,593 individuals, people in the United States um, are dead from this virus. And India is the next country as far as deaths, and they're right around 480,000. So, you know, almost half of what we've had in the U.S. You know, and I've always said, I mean, I think we have some of the greatest doctors and nurses and staff and technology in the United States when compared to the rest of the world. And that's nothing bad that I'm saying about the rest of the world. There's just, you know, a lot of technology and a lot of advancements that go on here, but the numbers don't show that as well as I think a lot of people want to believe. So if you look at the Kaiser Family Foundation, has a lot of great statistics. Um, and if you look back at, um, you know, Kaiser data and you look at what we spend per, pa- per patient, basically per person in the U.S. per capita per year, you know, it's about 11,000 um, per person per year in the US. You know, compare that to Switzerland, which is next on the list at 8,000, Germany at 7,000. But when you look at comparable country averages, you know, 5,600. You know, so we're basically more than double. So we spend more than double 
per person in the United States on healthcare. And this is all like, you know, pre-COVID stuff. Life expectancy, you'd think, wow, you know, money, money means better, right? Money means that we're got we gotta be the the most healthy people on the planet. But life expectancy, and again, this is a little skewed because of COVID, but in 2020, the average life expectancy in the United States was 77. You know, compare that to comparable countries in the world, it was 82. So we're not so good there. We don't live so long. And then you look at these disability rating scores, and they look at this like disability per 100,000. In the U.S., we're 26,000. So 26,000 out of 100,000 have some rating of disability on this scale. And you compare that to other comparable countries, it's 18,900. So we're not doing so well. What about just health quality um, and access to health care? The United States is dead last on that list. And I think a lot of patients, even before COVID, recognized that they had to wait forever to get in to see their doctor. Now, that's a big problem in the world now due to all of the shutdowns, closures, and delays. And I think a lot of people are going to have trouble worldwide getting access to health care. But also, when you look at, you know, just admissions for diabetes and congestive heart failure, highest in the United States. And I think a lot of that comes down to many of the deficiencies of, you know, our healthcare system, and they're not so great about preventable disease. So you get people being admitted to the hospital with all these problems that probably could have been prevented. So, you know, these are the things. I mean, I think we have some of the greatest docs. We have some great hospitals, um, great institutions, medical schools, training, technology, but the access to care has not been so great. And the healthcare, you know, issue has been a big problem with, you know, insurance. Insurance has gone up and up and up. Hospitals keep charging more and more and more. Um, and all of those, you know, were an issue. But before COVID, you know, we had stuff. You know, we had PPE. And we had access to operating rooms and ventilators and oxygen. Um, and it, there were a lot of guidelines that were set up that way. And they would say, hey, you know, um, these are like national groups and guidelines. You use one mask per patient and one gown per patient and gloves. Take them off after each patient and wash your hands. But then all of a sudden, here comes COVID. This was new territory. You know, this happened 100 years ago. The world was a lot different. You know, and, and experts now have said, hey, we warned people, but nobody listened. But COVID hit. And there was a lot of fear in the healthcare community because people were going to work and nobody really understood this virus. And there was no vaccine. So people that were working were at risk and fearful of getting sick. They were fearful of getting sick and bringing this disease home to their families, to their loved ones. You know, a lot of people like me in the beginning, and I'm not even on the front lines. I wasn't in the ICU or the ER, um, but I would come home and change in the garage and run right upstairs and shower and wash down. And, you know, you heard stories of people that were in ERs and ICUs that were living in tents in the backyard that didn't even want to go in and touch their families. And then you started hearing stories of basic things like oxygen that places were running out of and ventilators that places were running out of and bed space in morgues that people were running out of. And then the PPE disappeared. You know, so all these groups that set all these rules and guidelines, you got to use all this stuff, one per patient, throw it out, it's all disposable, you know, because people in healthcare love disposable things. They make lots of money. 
when you buy things that are disposable because you throw them out and you buy more. But then these groups and hospitals said, hey, you can use them. You can use them over and over again until they have holes in it or they're visibly soiled. Or, you know, those N95 masks that are single use. I think we'll, we'll look into maybe we can sterilize them again. So we'll find ways to re-sterilize the N95 masks. And that's only if you can get one. There were a lot of people that didn't even get N- N95s or hospitals that would, you know, give one, you know, to a staff member. And that was their only one. And people were trying to get their other N95s online and buying them elsewhere. And then all of these single-use items were starting to be re-sterilized. And patients stayed home. You know, people were scared. People wore masks. People avoided crowds. And then all the preventative healthcare stuff really was shut down because people didn't go to the doctors or doctor's offices were shut down or they were afraid to go to the doctor's offices. And that's where surgeries started getting canceled. A lot of hospitals were shutting down elective surgeries, not knowing what the surge was going to be and were they going to have bed availabilities And a lot of hospitals kind of sat empty because they shut down expecting the worst and not all hospitals filled up at the same time because the disease didn't hit the world exactly equally all over at the same time. So you had hospitals that sat empty while other hospitals in other parts of the country or the world were just getting inundated and overwhelmed with patients. And then you started having administrators going, hey, look, I know it's been a year, year and a half all of you people that are working, taking care of patients, you got to be more resilient. You got to buck up. You got to be strong. You got to do your job. This is what you signed up for. And a lot of people are like, I signed up to take care of people. I didn't sign up for this. You know, this is like going to battle with a virus and going to war, you know, without a bulletproof vest. So you had a lot of doctors and nurses on the front line that were scared and fearful and weren't being given adequate stuff that they needed to actually do their job. And you heard administrators telling people, we don't have any more beds. And for a lot of hospitals, it wasn't that they didn't have beds. They didn't have rooms. It's a lot of places didn't have staff to cover all of the rooms. I mean, a lot of hospitals were full. When you heard the stories of people just basically sitting in ERs for days, hallways for days, dying in the hallways. But a lot of places were saying, you know what, if the nurses on this unit were supposed to take care of three patients or six patients, now they can take care of nine or 12 because we don't have staff. And staff just started quitting. They didn't have adequate PPE. They were stressed. They had PTSD. They had burnout. I think the better word or terminology that is used in this field, though, is moral injury. This is a term that was used back from battle um, where... um, You know, people are just having trouble doing their job because it's a difficult thing to see all these people dying and they don't have access to um, the stuff or the equipment that they need to do their job well. So they're trying to do everything that they can, but not being able to do it and not having the, the tools or technology to do what they know they want to do for these patients. And that's leading to this huge moral injury. So, and you're seeing this across the board, doctors, nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists, respiratory therapists, lab technicians, the environmental service people that are on the front line, um, all of these people that are there that are working so hard to take care of patients. And then I'm hearing from a lot of, you know, the nurses and doctors on the front line about, you know, patients just being belligerent. I think people are seeing it now on airlines, um, and, you know, hearing the stories from colleagues that are, you know, on these COVID wards that are having patients just be downright mean and belligerent to them, uh, just 
it blows my mind. So it's all of those things that have really pushed a lot of people to question whether or not they want to do this job. Um, and then a lot of them that have stayed haven't gotten any pay raises. They haven't gotten any bonuses. You know, I, I know a bunch of staff that work in the healthcare system where I work, you know, they were like, hey, we got raises of 20 cents an hour. And then on top of that, because staff is leaving and hospitals need staff to run the hospitals, they're hiring these travelers and these traveling nurses and staff members, they're making huge amounts of money. You know, many of the travelers you know, getting two to three times per week what the staff is getting paid at those hospitals. And it's just kind of a slap in the face because they come in, they might be very smart people, but they don't know the system. They don't know the computers. They don't know the hospital. They don't know what to do, where things are kept. So you have the people that have been there working their tails off, teaching these people that just showed up to work for six weeks or a three-month shift, getting paid twice as much, and they're being taught by the people that have been there the whole time. And then these people kind of pick up and go elsewhere. And nothing bad about those people um, they're doing a service by showing up and helping, but there's definitely not equal pay for the work. And that's really, really led to a lot of negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions in the staff members that have been there and stayed. Um, so, so now you go, okay, well, I don't have a lot of staff. We'll just move the staff around. And by taking someone that works in one particular ward and just shoving them into the ICU... It might be patient care, but it's totally different patient care. It's, it's running a ventilator and drips and, and just the entire process of how those things are done. So you can't just pick up a nurse or a doctor over here and put them over there and expect them to do the job that a well-trained doctor or nurse in that ward would do on a regular basis. And throughout all of this, the PPE is still limited. So people are like, hey, get vaccinated. Maybe you do or don't get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Maybe you do or don't get, you know, a mask and wear one out in public. But then, you know, these people are still getting sick and they're still coming into the hospital. And now we're into this next wave and the hospitals once again are inundated. And we've had Thanksgiving and now we've had Christmas and now we have New Year's coming up. And you're seeing more and more people leave the field of medicine. So, so what does that mean for the future? I mean, a lot of places had backlogs of surgery, and now more and more hospitals are shut down again to elective surgeries. They're going on sort of crisis watch. So only emergencies are coming in. So patients that could not get this routine care, you know, whether or not it was for heart disease or diabetes, cancer, arthritis, these patients are now showing up to the hospital sicker than ever because they haven't gotten good care for the past two years because it wasn't available or they were afraid to come in or there was some issue blocking their ability to get this care. So now they're coming in. And then a lot of those hospitals are saying, hey, sorry, we're full. We can't take you. We have less staff. So they don't have enough doctors or nurses or other hospital staff to do the job to care for patients. So patients are sitting and waiting. Um, the backlog continues to expand for all types of procedures and all types of surgery. And now there's this big discussion and idea of like, hey, well, we have nursing crisis. We'll just rush a whole bunch of nurses through nursing school. We'll try to rush through doctors and training. And a lot of doctors, um, especially in the surgical you know, specialties, have had the past couple of years where they haven't had great access to the n number of cases. So you're going to have doctors and nurses 
coming into medicine in the next year, two, or three with less training than previous. And you're having more doctors and nurses with lots of training that are leaving, not leaving the hospital or where they work, but leaving the profession. They're basically walking away from medicine. And I really wonder, this is the big decision or discussion that we have a lot is, you know, how many people now are going to want to go into medicine? I mean, they've heard what has happened to healthcare workers and they've seen what's going on. And you really wonder, will people go into it because they see these, you know, lucrative pay pay amounts um, and bonuses that are being given for people to show up and work? Are they going to go into it for the financial reasons? Or are they looking at this and going, this is way too crazy and scary and I don't want to work that hard and be put at risk and not have the um, adequate PPE that I need to do my job. So I'm going to choose a different profession. I'm going to go into something totally different. And that's really kind of the scary thing going forward. So you're going to have this issue that we talked about earlier about, you know, in the U.S. specifically, we spend the most. We have a lower life expectancy. We have higher risks of diseases and hospitalizations. And now you're going to have even more less experienced people on the front lines that are going to be trying to care for all these people, plus this huge backlog. So, you know, it, it's it's not a New Year's resolution, I would say. Um, I guess it's, it's more of like a wish and a hope is that, you know, in this next year, that this entire COVID calms down. You know, I think it was one of the German... Um, uh, German politicians that said it, at the end of this, you're either going to be vaccinated, recovered, or dead. You know, I think that's the harsh reality now is that, you know, people that were vaccinated had some antibodies. Um, those that got COVID and died, you know, are now 800,000 plus in the United States alone. Um, and a lot of people are feeling now that this new variant may infect so many more people with hopefully less severe effects that you're going to have a lot more of those people develop antibodies. But at the end, you're going to be one of those three. You're going to be vaccinated, you're going to be recovered, or you're going to be dead. But the problem is for the years to come that access to healthcare as we previously knew it is not going to be what it should be or what you want it to be or what you expect it to be. And that's the harsh reality. So I think people have to realize that, that you're really gonna have to take care of yourself, but you're gonna have to seek out care. You're probably gonna have to wait for it. And you're gonna have to do everything in your power to stay healthy and seek out care before diseases become major complications that can affect your life and longevity. And also real, realize that for a lot of elective procedures, you know, we're seeing this a lot in the um, orthopedic world, in the arthritis world, that your surgeries are going to be delayed worldwide um, because of the delays and the shutdowns and the backlog. But unfortunately, um, for other people, even cancer treatments and things like that, that have been put on hold and delayed may even negatively affect the longevity or the outcome or your survival rate because of everything that's been going on. So that's kind of my New Year's hope for everybody is that, you know, everybody stays healthy and everybody that can get through gets through this and that we have some way of improving healthcare, not just for patients, but for the people that work in healthcare. So more people stay in healthcare and we have a way of educating those people well, not just getting them through 
the educational process quickly to get them out into a working job, but we wanna make sure that they have the skills and knowledge to actually treat people well, so that when you do have a backlog and you do show up and you do get cared for, that you get cared for well. And that's always the biggest thing, right, is we wanna take care of our health. There's a lot of things that you can buy with money, but I think uh, these statistics show it more than anything, because you can spend all the money in the world and you still don't have the best healthcare. So happy New Year's to everybody. Um, Be safe, be healthy, be well, And I will talk to you next year in 2022. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. And until next time, stay safe.